Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, welcome to the Spill Your Snackable daily podcast where we talk about everything entertainment every day. Hi, I'm Laura Brodnick and I'm Mamma Mia's entertainment editor. I am Ki Reese. I work at Mamma Mia's influencer agency called Social Squad and I had the strongest coffee this morning. I feel like I'm talking a hundred miles a minute. So you're talking like me is what you're saying? Yes, I've caught the Laura Brodnick. On the show today, Rebecca Black's viral hit song Friday changed her life forever. So nine years on, how does she feel about it? Comments were starting to come a bit more and they were definitely all making fun of me, making fun of the song that immediately put the biggest pit in my stomach I've probably ever had. And Radio Today have released their list of the most powerful women in Australian radio. So who makes a cut? But to kick off the show today, Macaulay Culkin, former child star of movies like Home Alone and My Girl, is Esquire's March cover. So in the cover story, which is his first in 15 years, he literally answered every single question I think I had about him. There was so much there. What did you think of Mac's interview? I thought it was interesting how much they painted the fact that he was, A, very much there to work, so that he's kind of got that residualness of being a child star, was, was that he was really there to kind of do this job and could really separate himself. And also the fact that he talks about the, the fact that he knows his life has been forever changed by his childhood and the fact that he's built himself a prison. But he said, it's a nice, plush, sweet prison, and I like it here. I think the biggest thing for me... Well, the, one of the most, there were so many interesting things, but it was the insight into his early life. Um, and we're talking pre-grade two because he became famous super, super young. Um, they kind of gave this backstory. You know, he was one of seven living in this small apartment in Manhattan, the son of a failed actor who pushed him in into acting, pretty much like your stock standard child star story. But what was really interesting was the clarification he gave around the narrative that's really followed through his whole career, the emancipation from his parents that happened. So he was really... I think open about this and and really clarifying that it was during a time where his parents were splitting up and he didn't actually emancipate himself from them. He simply legally removed their names from his trust fund to kind of remove this tension around the money and then as a result their separation became quite easy after that. Yeah, because that was always the narrative that um, surrounded him for well over 20 years now and always what I I thought was correct, the fact that he had divorced his parents and it became such a kind of a trend for child stars to do that or to talk about that. But like it's so interesting. Yeah, exactly yeah. how she divorced her mother. And Laura Dern, as we were talking about her yesterday, also emancipated herself from her parents as, oh a, my God. Yeah, as a teenager so she could go and work. But all he did was take their names off his trust fund, which kind of gives a whole new background to the story. I mean, it still st- sounds like they had quite a terrible time with his father. And I'm he didn't get into it in this interview, but I listened to him in previous interviews talk about the fact that his father would like be quite violent in the house, would take the doors off the kids' bedroom so they couldn't oh like get away. And there was eight of them living in this little one-bedroom apartment, which is, yeah, not a great time. And when you think about the other things that happened to that family, like his sister, which he talks about in the article, being hit yeah. by a car and kind of having to repair his relationship. 
relationship who and he's quite close now with his brother Kieran who's on succession has become like quite a well-known actor and the fact that he doesn't speak to his father anymore but he checks in with his mum a lot which is kind of a really interesting narrative around this family. Yeah definitely. Obviously the biggest headlines I think that have come out of today very expectedly is his comments around Michael Jackson who he shared a quite a close relationship when he was younger. He kind of shared that the way that their relationship came about is Michael Jackson had seen him star in Home Alone as you know a very very young star and reached out to him and formed a friendship that his parents didn't kind of encourage but they didn't discourage either. Yeah, and I think that it was interesting how he had a story ready for this. So the interviewer asked him, and they spent quite a bit of time together at the photo shoot. They went out to his favourite restaurant together. They hung out in the car park while he was talking to his family. There was a lot of like that whole thing of a profiler trying to really build a sense of the person. And so much of the article is not just his answers to questions, but the interviewer writing down what he was doing or how he moved or how he talked to people. And you can see he kind of waits a while into their day and their time together before he brings up the Michael Jackson thing. And you, Yeah, exactly. And you can also see that Macaulay is very hesitant to talk about it, but he's got that thing that a lot of people who are in these positions where they know there's one question they've always got to be asked, they have some sort of an answer ready. And I think it's interesting how he said, here's a Michael Jackson story for you that doesn't involve Michael Jackson at all. Instead, it, it involves James Franco. Yes. And the story was he was on a plane. He's bumped into James Franco among along many years. They aren't really friends, but acquaintances. And, and it was around the time when that doctor documentary had just come out and James Franco's like, oh, what do you think? Oh, you the know? Finding Neverland documentary, yes. yeah. Yes, sorry. And asking him, you know, what are your thoughts about it? And he just kind of looks him in the eye and he's like, well, would you want to be asked about, you know, your dead friend? And he kind of very sheepishly goes, oh, no, I wouldn't. And it's kind of brilliant the way he he obviously did it in real time. But yeah, as you said, prepared that story in advance to kind of dominate the headlines that would come as a result of this cover story. And I think it was also interesting. So he kind of tried to skate past that and get more into what he's doing now. He was really open about the fact that he can just do talk show appearances without having to promote anything. He can just be, he's like, I'm just in this cycle of fame now. And he very rarely does movies. The last movie that he did or the last kind of big movie that he's talked about was Changeland that he did because his friend Seth Green from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, among other things, one of his best friends asked him to be in that. Interestingly, it's where he met his current girlfriend, Brenda Song. And I've heard him talk about her in interviews before because he does a lot of podcast circuits. And she's a bit of a, she's a child star as well. So she was on The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, among other things, and a few big Netflix movies. Um, They've been together for quite a few years now. And I think it was interesting just the way he talks about their relationship. Yeah, and you can really – she's also featured in the cover story too, um, is interviewed for it. And just the way that they speak about each other, you really understand that unique bond that they have of both being child stars. You know, she's been in the business for over 25 years. She gets it. She's still hustling now. But the way that she talks about him – and I think that's why that they're such a good match and – and why it works for them. I'm just yeah. really happy for them. <laughs> you know what made me happy reading this is that it made me think, um, remember when he dated Mila Kunis for oh, 10 years? the whole years? thing I was thinking about. Oh, right, me too. Yeah. And, how, and she recently gave an interview saying that she she messed up their relationship. She yes, treated she him really bad. Him. Yeah, she, well, she didn't say well, that, she didn't but say she, it, she alluded it, yeah. um, to that situation. And then her, she kind of became uh, a mega star and their relationship parted ways. And I just thought that was interesting about someone who wanted to escape fame that he dated someone so famous for so long long but it's such an interesting profile this Esquire one I would say go and read the full thing because it's it's very long but also very detailed about his life and just an interesting insight into um, a child star who's about to turn 40 where they are in their life it's Friday Friday gotta get down on Friday everybody's 
So it's the ninth anniversary of viral song Friday by Rebecca Black. Um, the song and accompanying video was paid for her parents back in 2011 and it featured her singing about a typical Friday as a grade seven-er, waking up, eating cereal and getting down. But when you watch the video or listen back now, you can see it's really innocent. But at the time, the world really made fun of the song and Rebecca has come out today and released a statement on how that affected her growing up. Yeah, so she posted this long um, message to her Instagram profile and started off by saying that nine years ago today, a music video for a song called Friday was uploaded to the internet. Above all things, I wish I could go back and talk to my 13-year-old self who was terribly ashamed of herself and afraid of the world. It's really sad. It's uh, quite a big reminder, I think, of the lasting effects it can have on being a young star at that age. Like, we all had a really good laugh and, you know, streamed the song each Friday, but she really lived through that. And now we know that she endured a lot of bullying and her friends as well, who also appeared in it too. And I remember seeing her, she she appeared, I think, a few years later on Katy Perry's last Friday night video film clip. And I was like, oh, she's made it. Like, she's loving life. This is great for her. She's kind of evolved from it. But it really wasn't that. No, I find it really odd when she's lumped in with with child stars, and it's so interesting just coming off the back of talking about Macaulay Culkin, is the fact that it wasn't quite the trajectory that most child stars have in terms of there wasn't this big machine behind her. There wasn't all these adults around her trying to make money off her. There wasn't this kind of thing where she sought this out. Like she literally went to this, all her friends were getting these music videos made of this company. There's a, there was a real time there where you could go to oh, malls yeah. and stuff even in Australia and have and everyone Everyone had like modeling shoots or you could yes. like be in a music video. Yeah, you yeah, could send yeah. like pictures of yourself away and they'd send you back a tape of you in a music video. It was a real time for that. And I think for hers, like it was just meant to be a fun, like she did want to be a musician, but this was never meant to be like a big studio release no. or anything like that. And it only happened that the clip was picked up by um, a, someone at Comedy Central, which is already kind of a bat, like an adult man at Comedy Central. And it became one of the big first viral YouTube videos with more than like 100 million views in a month, which obviously would be a lot more now but it was it was made famous by comment like these adult comedians making fun of this child and I think it was just a little bit ahead of kind of where internet culture is now in terms of I think that if that had come out now it wouldn't get the backlash it would but I think the fact that she was lumped in with all these child stars but then she was just at home with her parents in this small town yeah, it's it's a very different story. And it was definitely during that time where it was very, you know, cool to be cruel. Now it's like cool to be kind. Um, and now we really embrace the weird. I was thinking like there's a whole social media platform dedicated to small viral funny videos right. and TikTok. Like if she had, a, you know, if it had to happen now, she probably would have been a viral TikTok star and everyone would have loved her. But it's just the unfortunate timing of her story and her kind of viral moment that it just wasn't off the time. Yeah, exactly. And it's not the first time she's really delved into how this has affected her now that she's becoming an adult. So a couple of years ago, she did a big profile with Rolling Stone because she had a new kind of pop single coming out that was a legitimate kind of stab at trying to be famous. And I think it did quite well on the, on the dance charts. I'm not good at talking about the music, you know, but that's kind of what I picked up from that magazine. Unbelievable. Um, Yeah, thank you. Um, But she talked about the fact that even when she went to school, like people would throw food at her and like her parents were quite fearful for her life that someone was going to attack her. There was like something to do with death threats and that sort of thing. And so it's like every couple of years on the anniversary of that song, it's like she has to have this big outpouring of the grief that surrounded her at that time, which, yeah, is interesting. And to think that she's only 22. I know. She's really lived a life. I think it's interesting also the kind of the commentary from the tweet that she's 
was posted and just like the outpouring of, I think, all of us collectively being like, shit, we kind of were really mean to you. And now it's become so iconic that now everyone's really embracing her. So hopefully she just like accepts our apologies and continues <laughs> to have like an amazing life. And she's got new music coming out. So if you want, I, I would recommend following her Instagram page. There's some really interesting insights in there. And if you're a fan of her music, stay tuned for her new releases. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. The 2020 list of the 10 most powerful women on Australian FM radio has been released today, along with a few honourable mentions. I'm really excited to talk about this. I'm a little bit green to the list. I know it's an annual list and it's released by Radio Today. What factors do they kind of take into account when they're putting together the ranking? Yeah, so Radio Today is very much an industry website chronicling trends and news outbreaks and talking to people who are in that marketplace. So for the list, they factored in the thoughts of leading radio consultants, so people who track the market. And also took into account market size and the competitive landscape and ratings, all that kind of thing to put together their list of the top 10 women in Australia. And I think no surprise that Jackie O. Henderson is at the top of the list. Yes. So rounding out our top three, Jackie O, no um, surprises there, I think, with the announcement of that massive deal that she got with Kyle. Yeah, the biggest pay like, yeah, for a radio star in Australia, the fact that they're number one. And also coming off the back of the mask Singer, even though it's not radio, it still yes. leads into her currency as a radio star. She was also number one last year, so no movement. Movement there. No movement there. But I love the number two, Chrissy Swan, who was number five last year, bumping up to number two. Yeah, that was a really interesting um, kind of move up the list. And also looking back on, on her career as kind of being a lot of people look at her as one of the original reality TV stars that go into yes. radio, which is quite well known now. That's kind of the way for, for a little while that became the only way to get into a radio on Australian TV. They were only opening the doors to people who had those big followings. But um, she appeared on reality TV back in 2003. And before that, she was a copywriter. So she's just been really plugging away at her craft, I would say. And I like now the fact that she's just seen as a legitimate TV presenter and host and radio announcer. Yeah, because she sometimes fills in for Have You Been Paying Attention yeah. as well. So she's she's killing it. And then number three, the journalist, radio presenter and TV personality, Amanda Keller, who was also nominated for a Gold Logie last year. So I didn't realise this, but she started out radio in Bathurst doing breakfast with Andrew Denton um, in 1994. And this is her 15th year with WSFM. And she's currently hosting The Breakfast Show with Brendan Jones. That's a massive career. Oh, Oh, yeah. And I think, again, it's it's good to see that so many people on this list are there for their longevity. Yeah. So, you know, they've all been there for 10 to 20 years. It goes to show that radio is a hard industry to break break into, but the women who are at the top of their game remain there, which is, which again, is kind of interesting to see. So coming in at number 10 was a new addition to the list, which is swimming great Susie O'Neill. Yeah, this was interesting um, to kind of see her come in right on the end there. So she's, um, wasn't, was, 
included in the list for her work on the Nova breakfast show, Ash, Kip and Lutzi with Susie O'Neill. And obviously she's an amazing athlete. She's got the third, I think, most Olympic medals in Australia or something like that, record breaker. Yeah, just uh, no one needs me to tell them about Susie O'Neill's career. Um, and so interesting that she started off doing sports commentating back for the ABC, um, kind of leveraging on her knowledge of a competitive sport and swimming and has now leveraged it all the way into just being a radio personality. So it's interesting to see her um, in this stage of her career just come into a completely different career section. Yeah, definitely. It's A lot of the time it is really harder, I think, for Australian athletes to have that kind of second coming for their careers. So it's great to see her killing it. And then obviously some people have to be left off to make room. But I think one of the big ones that probably everyone's wondering about is maybe Kate Lambrook. Yeah, so she was number number two or three last yes, year, I think. Three. In, in of, of, yeah, three. And has always been one of the you know driving forces in the Australian radio industry. But I don't think it's surprising because she's been living in Italy for the last year or so. Yeah. She was doing her, still doing her radio show with Dave Hughes, but now she's um, stopped doing that for a while. I'm not sure of like the mechanics of whether she's coming back. But the fact that she's on the airways, I, I feel, would answer the question of yeah. why she's on the list. Exactly. The other headline that's in a few different places saying, where is Tanya Hennessy? Has she been stumped yes. from the list? But I think kind of she's not like these other women. She's not working full time in radio. She was doing a weekend. I mean, she did for so many years. That's where she kind of built up her career, that and her viral videos. But she has stopped as far as I know from following her on social media, has stopped doing her weekend breakfast show because she did I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. She's now doing more TV work. She's got her second book coming out. So I think saying that she's been stumped from the list is not completely accurate. No, yeah, if you're not doing full-time radio, you aren't considered for the list. Well, it's fantastic that we get to talk about it today. It's always great to kind of celebrate local female um, talent and I'm interested to see where we go next year. Thank you for listening to The Spill today. Did you know that we have a daily newsletter for everything celebrity and entertainment? For our best stories of the day straight into your inbox every evening, go to mamamia.com.au forward slash newsletter and sign up to Mamma Mia Celebrity. The Spill is produced by Hannah Bowman. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye. Bye.